precious metals. And that's been a go-to for people in uncertain times. And I think in this case, it might, might well be the case again. And certainly if, if trends of the past or the indications of the future, we could well see a, you know increase in the price of metals as people look for, for certainty and comfort in their investments. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. I am your host. I'm also very privileged to be your host because the audience base of this show has just really expanded over the last couple of months. It's been very, very exciting to read all of your feedback, especially knowing um, that the show is making a difference for you, is making all of the difference for me. Now, on today's call, I have the pleasure of welcoming CEO of Gold Mining Inc., Mr. Alastair Still. Welcome to the show, Alastair. Thanks for having me on, Rick. Good to be here today. Absolutely. A privilege to have you here. Now, we're going to be talking about gold and gold mining and the impact of global events at the moment on the value of gold and stock market fluctuations and so on and so forth and what we can expect from gold and gold mining Inc. in the coming months. But prior to doing any of that, Alastair, it's customary for us to spend a moment or two learning a little bit about you, your journey through life, as it were. So um, starting off with where you're calling in from today. I am calling in from Maple Ridge, about uh, 30 miles east of uh, Vancouver in uh, beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Fantastic. Now, I've heard a lot of wonderful stories about that region. Tell us what you love about living there. Well, I get to have the best of both worlds. I'm near the big uh, city. I can go into town when I need to, but close to the mountains and lakes, lots of hiking trails and to enjoy the great outdoors. And do you like doing that uh, often? Do you find getting away from the workplace is, uh, I guess, therapeutic for you? I love to get out in the trails and uh, try and get a little fishing in when I can, not as often as I'd like, but mm -hmm. uh, easy access to trails around the house here. So it's a great way to uh, de-stress after a day at, uh, at the office or at the desk. Yeah, well, that's the thing, because we know that um, by and large, um, what happens in a business is very much similar across all the businesses. But what does change um, every single time that I have this conversation is the people behind the business. So I really appreciate you uh, spending some time sharing me uh, with me. Um, so what do you like to do the most? Do you prefer to fish or do you prefer to hike? Is What's your main thing? What do you like doing the best? Well, I'd love to say I'd like to be out fishing more often. It's probably more the convenience of being able to hike, and we're so uh, so fortunate to have so many great trails and terrain in the area where I live in. You can uh, you can stay flat, and there's some uh, great uh, dikes around the local uh, mm -hmm. uh, area, or you can uh, go for some climbing and go up uh, some pretty steep vertical and get up into the snow. Um, so it's a great uh, great variety and easy access. So probably hiking is what uh, I've uh, I've uh, attracted to the most and mm. uh, a bit of a training session right now i know for a for a friend we're joining over in the uk we're doing a uh, a hike uh, in scotland in the beginning of may this year so oh. i better put a few uh, <laughs> few kilometers on my boots to get ready for that uh, tell me if uh, uh in in your family do you have uh pets do you like pets uh, to be honest, I've uh, because I've led a bit of a nomadic life at times in the mm -hmm. mining industry. I've travelled so much. Uh, we probably haven't had as many uh, larger pets as most, but you know the kids had smaller pets when they were younger. But not a lot of pets not now because it's just her. Pardon? Not a lot of pets. Too busy. 
No, well, more of the traveling, more convenience. Who would look after them when we were away and whatnot? So, um, we've uh, we've kept the, the smaller pets, which they can pass off to friends when they were traveling. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, and it's about I'm at the age now where the where the kids are uh, uh, they're both off at university, so they're uh, they're all done and dusted. It's a bit more space in the house these days. Oh, I love it. Now, in terms of having more space in the house, what's a what's a, a bit of relaxation time mean to you? Do you find that it's important? What do you do when you relax? Do you like to read or things like that? Yeah, I definitely like to read. Uh, if I'm not out uh, on the trails, I've got uh, quite a garden in the backyard. I like to, you know, tinker in the yard and uh, keep myself busy, uh, busy that way as well. Are you a bit of a green thumb, or do you kill everything you touch, like I do? <laughs> I, I wouldn't profess to be a, 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 a gardener for a showpiece, but uh, it's more of a, a big area that needs a fair bit of work. That's uh, That keeps me busy, though. Now, tell me something. Is uh, the location that you're in right now, Alistair, the same location that you grew up in? No, uh, far from it, actually. I uh, have actually lived sort of all over the place. I, I grew up originally in uh, in Mississauga, near, near Toronto, mm -hmm. central part of Canada, and I'd I'd gone to school in the eastern part of uh, Canada, New Brunswick, and I'd worked all through the north in northern Ontario, mining towns like Kirkland Lake and Timmins. And then about 15 years ago, I came to the Vancouver area. And uh, But in between there, I also had a stint where I was uh, three and a half years in Argentina, building a, a mining project in the, in the Patagonia in the, in the southern part of Argentina. So I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to, to travel for work and uh, I've seen some incredible places along the way. So what have you learned about the differences in culture and is there any commonalities between us as peoples across the world? Well, I think there's always the commonality of people and what their comfort is and being, you know, and actually having comfort and comfort of family and familiarity. Mm -hmm. But what I have also learned is that, uh, you know, for, for places like Canada, that uh, there's so much of what we have here, we sometimes too often take for granted. Um, but also I would say there's a, there's a regularity to what we have here. Mm. And that is we may not always get what we want or, or uh, know what the outcome is going to be, but we know the process and, and how it unfolds and how it will play out. Whereas some places in the world that's less certain. Uh, there's a bit more of a chaotic approach and it's a bit more erratic on what the outcome will be. But that's one thing I certainly appreciate about Canada is that uh, there's, there's generally a, you know, a regular uh, path and a, a route to get there. and people take some comfort in that. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing. Now, I know we have a lot of different uh, listeners, different types of different backgrounds, entrepreneurs, investors, existing business owners, book authors, and the likes. And they all take a bit of something away from the conversations, which are always unique. Now, on that, I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, first of all, um, risk, risk exposure, and how you manage risk. What, what's the process that you go through? Well, I guess uh, to, to frame it, though, I mean, risk can take uh, on a different uh, aspect or different scope for different people and depending what the what the situation is. But if we, we frame risk in the broader perspective and certainly how we look at risk as a company, mm -hmm. and we start things, put things into to big baskets and then we can filter things downward as we get to the granularity of, of a project. But you know, the first element of risk that we would look at is uh, geopolitical risk or country risk. Mm -hmm. And that's why as a company at Gold Mining Inc, we've, we've, we've focused our efforts on jurisdictions we're comfortable in that are stable and have a good solid history of mining. So our, our country, countries that we operate in, that we have projects in, Canada, the US, 
Colombia, Brazil, and Peru, all established mining jurisdictions, all within the Americas. Mm -hmm. And that's one way of uh, managing our risk and staying in uh, countries that are familiar to us and uh, also with a solid mining history. So I'd, uh, I'd suggest just for context, if we could go back um, and share a little bit about, I guess, um, where it all started for you. Where was the first exposure to the gold, uh, gold industry? Well, the first exposure to me was actually my, my first job out of un university. I, I trained as a geologist at university, and then uh, when I started work was in a small town in uh, northern Ontario called Kirkland Lake. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a mining camp there for some 100 years. Um, very fortunate to work at a, an operation, the Macassar Mine, which was a, a deep, uh, very deep, uh, high-grade underground operation. Um, so I learned an awful lot about mining and mining processes and, mm -hmm. and exploration. And then uh, it was, it's, a, it's a fairly small town. Um, and then when I was fortunate enough to get transferred to a, an operation run by the same company at the time in Timmins, mm -hmm. uh, which was a transfer up to the big city, it was moving from you know 9,000 people to 40,000 people. It was, wow. uh, <laughs> it was quite quite the upgrade, but uh, both with a very rich and uh, and extensive mining history. So um, was able to diversify my experience there, not just underground mining, but uh, open pit mining and narrow vein mining and and uh, and bulk underground mining as well. So got a real good flavor of uh, you know the mining methods and techniques and exploration across some uh, classic uh, uh, mining camps. I remember working uh, out in the field, seeing the geologists going through their core samples underneath these, you know, tents, going through kilometres, it seemed, of just these core samples. Tell us a little bit about your time as actually a geologist. Well, it started as a, you know, project geologist. You'd work a section of the mine, you'd call it your beat, and mm. you'd be responsible for, you know, most aspects of that mine and how it was run from your daily underground grade control, sampling underground to lining up uh, drill programs either with uh, you know, small definition drill programs or a smaller drill they called the bazooka to test the walls mm -hmm. and test for mineralization that might be left behind so you really help coordinate with the engineering department geology department mining department the smooth and efficient extraction of, of gold from your, your beat within the mine and you took ownership in it and you had a great camaraderie with uh, your colleagues who worked the same uh, part of the mine as you you can't really buy experience can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from that what was the most predominant thing that you can recall during that time well i think it was a bit of an eye-opener really i mean you, you you go through school and you can learn the technical aspect of a trade mm -hmm. and you can learn technical aspects of geology but it doesn't necessarily prepare you for what you experience in, in a real life working situation i think it taught a number of things and uh, important things in life such as the diversity of a group of people you're working with you have you have trained PhD geologists or ground control technicians, uh, geophysicists, to uh, to you know, miners who are working underground every day. It's, it's a great diversity of people. Everyone brings their own skill set to the table, and you can learn from people that uh, you know you, you might not think uh, you've even asking a question mm. to. But working with them, interacting with them, and being dependent on them in a team setting, uh, those are things that you you learn. And uh, I can look back now and think that you know i was working in this in the town of kirkland lake this was uh, 25 uh, plus years ago i'm still in close contact with a number of people i worked with back then you you worked with people you know the same people you uh, you uh, would socialize with in the community you worked in it was yep. a great atmosphere and you really formed good uh, lifelong bonds with them 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. I too have uh, lifelong friendships born from the industry that we work in. Now, I, I just would like to sidestep a moment. I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and I see this, uh, this profile on the coastline behind your image. Tell us a little bit about what I'm looking at in that image. It's a fascinating picture. Uh, on the LinkedIn picture, yeah. well, that was a, a recent trip I made to uh, the Isle of Staff on the west coast of uh, Scotland, which is these giant uh, columnar basalts making up a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, it's a fantastic display of nature at its finest in terms of, you know, pure geology. And uh, I was fortunate uh, two years ago to take my father on that trip, and we had a great time. And uh, Many people know those columnar basalts, probably more familiar with them, uh, where they show up across the Irish Sea in Ireland, mm -hmm. known as Giant's Causeway. And uh, they, they pop up as a great formation on the, on the west coast of Scotland. So some spectacular scenery, a great place uh, to go to. Uh, certainly a bit, uh, bit of a rugged crossing across oh, yeah. the open water there. Um, <laughs> but uh, spectacular scenery and... Surreal uh, almost. Yeah, it was. it is really, it's almost like how do these you know, classic... Uh, co columns of basalt and hexagonal shapes form uh, in nature. It's really oh, quite a wonder. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Well, thank you for sharing because now uh, you've clarified something for me and, and where they are. Now, I'd love to know where um, and how was it that you came to be part of Gold Mining Inc? Well, that's a great question. Actually, the, the first uh, almost 25 years of my, mine, of my career, I'd worked with uh, major mining companies, operating companies such mm -hmm. as uh, Gold Corp and Newmont, and uh, spent uh, a long and, and a happy time there. But uh, there was a merger of our company, uh, Gold Corp, and it was merged with Newmont a couple of years ago. And uh, it was a big company, but it would likely involve a move for me to stay with the company. And when I learned of the opportunity at Gold Mining, I knew the the chairman and founder, Amir um, Nani, um, from the mining scene in the Vancouver area. Absolutely. I was very impressed with the company he'd built, the team he had in place. And this uh, portfolio of projects throughout the Americas that were really, you know, waiting to be, uh, you know, rediscovered. I, I almost say they've they were assembled at very opportune moments. So he mm -hmm. put a great portfolio, portfolio together, but really was missing the catalyst, and that was the ability to advance the projects, daylight the value, and uh, that's really what got me attracted was this large and diverse portfolio of assets. Absolutely great feedback. Amir Nani had him on the show uh, not so long back. Great individual. Now, I'm wondering, um, can we talk about um, the impacts of global events uh, on gold pricing and uh, what's your view um, about all of this? Well, I mean, I, I guess there's there's two ways to look at it. One is just the, you know, the pure impact that it might have on the gold price. But I would have to start by saying, you know, I think what's happening in in, in Ukraine with Russia, first and foremost, is an absolute tragedy, and there's going to be people whose lives are going to be disrupted, people who are going to lose their lives over mm -hmm. that. So, first and foremost, we can't lose sight of that. No. Um, and but you know, and the impact that it, it has on our industry is, is almost a, a collateral uh, damage, if you will, or mm -hmm. collateral impact uh, on the consequences that humans will suffer from that. But what we have traditionally seen in the past is that type of a uh, uncertainty or, or global crisis will drive uh, people to, to 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 comforts, well, things that they can take uh, uh, certainty or uh, or more uh, uh, you know comfort in holding, which is you know effectively uh, precious metals, and that's been for millennia a go-to for people in uncertain times. And 
I think in this case it might, might well be the case again and certainly mm. if, if trends of the past are the indications of the future we'll, we, we could well see a you know increase in the price of metals as people look for for certainty and comfort in their investments. I saw it almost like an inverse proportion um, at least locally our stock market lost a hundred billion dollars in a day yet the price of gold it broke out and it increased why would that be is, is that based on what you've just explained? Well, I think there's 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 two factors, and one is that even if you looked at the price of gold specifically uh, over the last 24 hours, it it shot up. It was getting close to two thousand dollars per ounce uh, mm. uh, overnight, and in the early part of today, and then it you know came back quite a bit from then, and and I think the overall market started out low and then rebounded. So, I think really what it shows is that it's created you know uncertainty in the markets. It's created. Uh, a disruption in the normal affairs of a lot of people, and uh, it's caused uh, you know those choppy choppy waters is what we've seen in the in the, in the dramatic swings in the market. Uh, I think that uh, that chop in the waters will will likely continue for a while, but I think in the long term that the trend and the and the forecast for the precious metals have been to outperform in in those uh, times of uncertainty. Yeah, great feedback. Thank you very much for sharing. Now, I'd love to for those who are new to the show and uh, for those who are, you know, maybe have listened for a while now, uh, if you could explain how exactly Gold Mining Inc. operates. What's the, the, the business base? Well, the business base has been, been quite simple, really, and that is uh, Gold Mining uh, Inc. has been an acquirer of assets and has picked up assets over the last uh, 10 years or so and done it at very opportune moments and so made some great purchases to build up a portfolio of predominantly gold-based resources throughout the Americas, some 16 million uh, measured indicated gold equivalent ounces and a further 16 million gold equivalent inferred ounces, so over 30 million gold equivalent ounces, a very large inventory and we've built that at very opportune times and some might say, you know, at uh, you know 10 cents on the dollar compared to what uh, the companies we acquired were trading at at their highs and really now it's a story about us uh, unlocking the value in that portfolio mm -hmm. i think with such a large big portfolio it's been uh, very difficult for people to to grasp what we have how to value it properly and so when compared to our peers i think we're highly undervalued in fact on a common metric where people will measure junior mining companies on an enterprise value per ounce you know we're trading somewhere near five dollars per ounce if you take out the value of the of the shares we uh, we put on our balance sheet by wow. creating gold royalty last year um, so that valuation is is you know dwarfed by most of our peers and any of our competitors who might trade at 20 30 40 even 50 dollars per ounce so we think there's a huge opportunity for uh, for our shareholders to benefit from that re-rating and valuation gap mm. and to do that we're advancing our projects we've put new resources in place on some 75 percent of the resources in the last year we started on PEA studies we're also looking at uh, doing our first uh, drill program in the next uh, near term to to further unlock ounces and show the value of these uh, these assets that we do have and there's certainly investors who would be interested in this um, at different scales and levels and abilities, financial abilities to get involved. Now, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing for those very people. What do you think your one superpower is? What's the one thing you do the best as the CEO? I think our, uh, me personally or as, as, as the company? Uh, both. <laughs> well, I, I think this, the strength of our company really is, is our assets. Mm. And, and it's easy to say, um, but I think our assets are twofold. 
One yeah. is that the, the properties we have and the jurisdictions, which are great jurisdictions, we have this large and diverse portfolio of assets. But then the second part of assets is our people. And I'm just one piece of that, but I think I've, I've, I've joined an exceptional team and we've actually added some exceptional talent to our team. Uh, since I came on board uh, just over a year ago, we've added a very talented individual, Sam Ma, who's our, our Director of Engineering Studies. And Sam brings some 25 plus years of experience working for operating companies and major companies and has done literally hundreds of uh, evaluations around the world. So mm -hmm. he brings a great deal of knowledge and strength to our team. And then more recently, we added uh, an individual I'd previously worked with at my time at uh, Goldcorp and Newmont is Eric Chen as our director of mineral resources. Mineral resources yeah. And uh, you know, he's an expert in creating the block models. And some people see this as a, you know, a bit of a, an art and a science. And there's not a lot of uh, people who and really truly understand how the, the resource models are calculated and how they're, they're formed. But Eric is, you know, he's got some 30 years experience doing that working for majors and it really I think gives us a great advantage having a strong team of people on board so we understand our assets and how to move them forward. Fantastic feedback and, and a great team absolutely no doubt about it. Now uh, I just would like to touch on uranium it's become an important uh, energy source and um, Gold Mining Inc has um, actually owns a uranium project is that correct? <laughs> that is a uh, it seems a, an asset in our portfolio that not a lot of people recognize mm. uh, or even appreciate that we we own. But really, it's it's a, basically it's a free option play on a pretty sizable uranium package, which is in uh, the Athabasca Basin of Alberta and Canada. Mm. It is one of the highest grade uranium uh, mining regions in the world. In fact, operations that mine uranium from that district right now are some 100 times the global average of uranium grade. So it's a great district. We have a very large land package there, some 125,000 hectares uh, in some highly prospective ground. Um, and we see junior mining companies in that area with smaller land than us, less prospective, trading at 50 and $100 million market caps. And here we have this project in our portfolio. It's just, you know, it's just, you know, itching to get out and be explored and be, uh, be unlocked. And I think that would be a great opportunity if we were able to put that into the hands of a right partner or mm -hmm. a spin out opportunity or new co that would create a tremendous amount of value for our shareholders, which in truth, really, we, uh, we get little value for having it right now in our books. But there seems to be a massive opportunity given the nature of social consciousness around, um, you know, fossil fuel consumption versus, you know, lithium uh, mining and production for EV. Um, what do you think is going to uh, be the ultimate winner in the long run? Well, I, th I think uh, there's going to be a need for multiple sources. There's not mm. one easy answer. And certainly I think uranium will play, will play a piece of that. And there has been a lot of uh, uh, interest and there has been some, and certainly some positive moves in the price of uranium. But we also have to realize that even with the talk and excitement there has been about uranium, the uranium spot price is still only about one third of its all time high. Wow. So we still think there's room to grow um, with uranium. And I think on a number of other metals as well. It's, it's easy to, to say that with a, a company that's actually called Gold Mining Inc. that we certainly are very much focused on gold. Mm. Um, but you've, 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 you've highlighted an excellent example where we have a uranium project, but we also have a significant inventory of, of copper resources in our portfolio. Some 2.7 billion pounds of copper wow. uh, that occur as byproducts with our, our existing gold uh, primary mm. deposits. So there's an extra resource that 
I think uh, you know is an important piece of the uh, you know the the push for for greener energy and electric vehicles and it's it's not just the batteries for those vehicles and the wiring and the building of the cars but it's the actual whole infrastructure mm -hmm. the global grid system that's needed and the infrastructure and the upgrades that are going to be needed to power those vehicles and charge those vehicles so we're we're fortunate to have uh, you know byproducts of copper significant copper on a couple of our projects and I think the price of uh, copper, the fundamentals for the price of copper is, is strong and that will continue to push as that demand grows. Please educate me. Is there a component of copper when bullions are created, gold bullions are created? Uh, not necessarily. There right. are projects that can have minimal gold, mm -hmm. but a lot of the, uh, the larger um, systems, which they refer to as a, a porphyry style system, we often get concentrations of gold and copper and silver, and, and those happen to be some of the largest styles of deposits in the world that can often occur in you know, fives or tens of millions of ounces, some of the, the big deposits that you'll see in, in South America and some of the deposits in, in the, the ranges of North America and even Australia mm -hmm. and, uh, and elsewhere, these, these the giant systems with copper and gold, and, uh, and we're fortunate that we have a couple of those systems one of which is our is our Whistler project, which is in Alaska, which has some 9.44 million gold equivalent ounces, so a very significant component of copper, uh, occurring with some six million ounces of gold. So a, a big system, uh, large, uh, and uh, lots of exploration potential on it, and I think that copper component it really is a important piece because. We can price out the economics on the gold and the copper really can help lower the overall costs, provide mm -hmm. a very important byproduct to further enhance the economics of projects such as our, our Whistler deposit. Now I can see on your website that there are several um, projects underway. Are there, is there much exp exploration happening at the moment for new project sites? Well, the focus of our company historically has not been to do our own exploration. We've been uh, picking up projects which others have explored and have left actually a lot of uh, very, uh, uh, you know, some, some low-hanging fruits, some, some tempting targets that are available for us right now. And mm -hmm. I think one of those targets uh, is really speaking to us right now. We've, we've just completed a preliminary economic assessment on our Lamina project in Colombia. Mm -hmm. That was released in January. That showed very strong economics to mine uh, just over a million gold equivalent ounces over about a 10-year mine life mm -hmm. with strong economics. But what it also shows and what we have in our information and our information on our website is that deposit has uh, two centers where it's focused on the resources, but we actually see the evidence of a third center uh, less than a kilometer away, so it could be mined in conjunction with the main resource that's already been identified. There's no resource on this uh, third center that had some very preliminary drill holes into it, mm -hmm. showed very strong results, some 100, 200 meters in some cases, over a gram gold per ton, which is a very good grade for a deposit that size. And that's an exploration target that we are uh, very much focused on learning more about, getting information, getting ourselves uh, set so that we could launch our first uh, first uh, drill program for the company on there in the, in the near term. Wow, this has just been an amazing call. I know that there'd be lots of excited people on the call today. Uh, thank you again, Alistair, for sharing the information. Now, I'm wondering if you don't mind, um, where can people go to get more information? For example, what's your stock ticker? We are actually trading on the New York NYSE American under the ticker symbol GLDG. And we also trade on the TSX in Canada, ticker symbol there, very easy to remember, G-O-L-D, gold.
Fantastic. And uh, for anybody who's on the call today and you want to find out even further information, go and visit goldmining.com. You'll find um, information about corporate structure, those people that we've uh, mentioned earlier in the call, including your good self, Alistair. There's also project information and so on and so forth, up-to-date news, everything you could possibly want to learn about this amazing organisation. And with all that being said, Alistair, thank you so very much for joining me on the show today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Rick. I look forward to speaking again in the future. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.